Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. These have been an incredibly difficult two weeks in our country's life. It seems as if it's not only the edges of our community that are being frayed, but the very core of our community life is being pulled apart. This week, we're talking about community. In particular, we're talking about God in community. This is Trinity Sunday, where we think about this three-in-one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, yet one God. The Athanasian Creed, it's an old creed in the life of a church, said that we worship the Trinity in unity and unity in the Trinity. The Trinity are a relationship. One of my favorite modern icons, a depiction of the Trinity is by an artist named Scott Erickson. I've got this hanging up uh, at home. And so you see the Trinity there in relationship with one another, unified, yet one, God in community. And it's this God in community that created everything. Everything that is was created by the relationship of the Trinity. We were created out of the abundance of that relationship, out of the abundant love of that relationship. All things were made. From the smallest subatomic particle that we can see to all the vastness of the universe, everything is connected. Everything is connected in relationship with one another. It shouldn't be surprising that this God who is relationship created all things out of the abundance of that loving relationship. And so when you think about this vast mutuality in which we are created, it becomes deeply painful when we see the kinds of disconnection that we have in our communities, not only here in the United States, but across the world. But I think the gospel has something to say to this. In fact, as we think about racism, I truly believe to the core of my being 
that none of this is going to change. None of this is going to be solved without the power of the gospel. None of this is going to be solved without God. Of course, we believe in the Christian tradition that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us that all good happens, that all unity happens. Remember what we said on Pentecost Sunday, last Sunday, that the Spirit of God unifies. Remember, there were people gathered from nations from around the world in Jerusalem, different languages, different colors, different looks about them. Yet the Spirit of God receives. The Spirit of God imports all of these cultural traditions, all of these languages, and unifies them respects the distinctiveness, celebrates the distinctiveness of each of these languages and of these cultures, yet also unifies them in a faith together. This is what the Spirit of God does. This is what God does when we allow God to work through us. It's how God creates God creates in relationship. Sometimes we create in relationship. But because of the sin that exists in our world, sometimes we create in ways that tear apart relationship. And in this way, we function counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this way, we function counter to the move of the Spirit. It's a, it's a rival narrative that we create. Now, when someone asks me about the gospel, and they say, Pastor, could you tell us what the, the gospel is in, in a succinct form? I say that the gospel is this, that Jesus saves and restores us and all creation. Again, Jesus saves and restores us and all creation. This is what we see happening in Jesus Christ. This is what we see happening by the power of the Holy Spirit, saving and restoring us in all creation in this unity of the Spirit. And again, sometimes we create counter gospels. I want to read to you a statement from Benjamin Franklin. This was written in 1751 in a piece entitled Observations Concerning the Increase of Mankind, Peopling of Countries, and etc. Franklin says, Why should the Palatine Boers, these are, are people from Germany, why should the Palatine Boers be suffered to swarm into our settlements, and why by herding together establish their language and manners to the exclusion of ours? 
Why should Pennsylvania, founded by the English, become a colony of aliens who will shortly be so numerous as to Germanize us instead of our anglifying them and will never adopt our language or customs any more than they can acquire our complexion. Which leads me to add one remark, that the number of purely white people in the world is proportionably very small. All Africa is black or tawny, Asia chiefly tawny, America, exclusive to the newcomers, wholly so. And in Europe, the Spaniards, Italians, French, Russians, and Swedes are generally of what we call a swarthy complexion, as are the Germans also, the Saxons only accepted, who with the English make the principal body of white people on the face of the earth. I could wish their numbers were increased. And while we are, as I may call it, scouring our planet by clearing America of woods and so making this side of our globe reflect a brighter light to the eyes of inhabitants in Mars or Venus, why should we then, why should, excuse me, why should we in the sight of superior beings darken its people? Why increase the sons of Africa by planting them in America where we have so fair an opportunity by excluding all blacks and tawnies of increasing the lovely white and red? But perhaps I am partial to the complexion of my country for such kind of partiality is natural to mankind, he says. So you see what's going on here. This is a creation that is counter to God's creation. This is a creation that is counter to the gospel. It's a rival to the gospel. Franklin has this idea of whiteness and note what's happened here. There's been a shift over time. What Franklin does is he, he sets up this distinction between white and black. He creates this idea, it's not only him, he's existing in a conversation. This conversation creates a superiority around whiteness and an inferiority the closer you get to blackness. The closer you are to white complexion, the more superior, and the closer to black complexion, inferior. He, he, it's set up here in what he says. And note that not everyone who we currently today would say are white is white in his description. Now, prior to the 1700s, if you, you described where you were from by your nationality. So if you were someone who today we would say is a white person, you'd say, well, I'm from 
Germany. I'm from Italy. I'm from Spain. I'm from England. You'd say you were from these places. Your identity was bound up in the country of origin, that culture, the languages spoken there. But over time, as this construct of whiteness and blackness in the spectrum was set up, a goal or objective would be for more and more people to, be, to fit the description of whiteness. Because that is superior. And the closer you are to blackness, the more inferior you, are, you were supposed to be. And so it's a cultural objective. <laughs> for someone to move towards whiteness if they could, to pass if they could, and to move away from blackness if they could. Again, this is a creation of humanity that is counter to the creation of God. And so if we're going to talk about these things, if we want there to be some deep change in our society, I believe we've got to talk about this. And I believe that we must repent, and I'm using we very generously here. I think humankind has to repent of this system that has been created and that this understanding of whiteness has to be repented of, as whiteness as superior has to be repented of. I'll tell you a story. I was an associate here at University Church years ago, uh, prior to coming back as senior pastor, and I was in a counseling uh, session with a couple of UNC students. Um, one of them was white, one of them was black, and they wanted to know what I thought about interracial relationships. And so we met several occasions and I encouraged them. And then the parent of um, a, the young woman who was white in this uh, relationship called the church and wanted to talk to our senior pastor, Ruth Harper Stevens. Um, this person was a Methodist from another church in the, in the triangle. And she said to our then senior pastor, I need you to get that young black associate, passive, associate pastor of yours in line. Because I don't appreciate what he's said to our daughter. We tried to teach her to grow up respecting everybody, treating everybody as if they were equal. But then this parent said, we made a mistake because they are not, they meaning African-Americans, they are not equal to us. I was proud of our senior pastor. I was proud of Ruth Harper Stevens that day because she immediately shut that down. She said, I support this associate pastor that you're talking about. And by the way, his name is Justin Coleman. I support him. I support what he said. And I reject the racism 
that you're espousing. She absolutely shut that conversation down. But you see, here in the 21st century, still these feelings of superiority and feeling that someone else must be inferior. This must be repented of. We've got to repent of this. and We've got to understand where it came from. And we've got to understand better and articulate better the gospel origins of not only the Christian faith, but of all people, of all creation. And so as we move away from this kind of thinking, as we embrace the gospel, we've all got work to do, but the work is different. The work does not look the same for me as an African-American as it does for someone who is white. For the African-American community, for the black community, I am so thankful that despite what was told to my ancestors, that, that they were inferior, that the black community did not accept it. Yes, there are struggles, and there are struggles of identity, and there are struggles sometimes to see oneself as beautiful, one's skin as beautiful, one's hair as beautiful, one's way of living in the world as beautiful. People still wrestle with that today, but I'm so thankful for a black community that says, you can be black and proud. You are beautiful. And I'm so thankful for a gospel, a message that absolutely undergirds and reinforces that so that the, the church has been able to say that you were created and God called it good. God sees blackness as beautiful. I'm so thankful for a community and a church that has said that and reinforced it when sometimes society says something else. And so the wrestling within a black body like mine is to continue to believe it and not listen to any of those other historic voices because they are sinful and they are wrong. The work that I would submit that a white person must do is to reject the narratives of superiority, one might even say supremacy, that are historic in the kind of descriptions like we saw in that of Benjamin Franklin or the scientists of, of, of a, nearly a century later, when you have uh, someone named Samuel Morton, a scientist who, who decides to collect skulls of different uh, people from around the world and then to measure the interior of those skulls and then to say who is smarter, who is superior, and who is inferior and he created five races out of this and he created a spectrum whiteness being superior and blackness being 
um, inferior in what he was saying. So he, he creates a, a scientific rationale for racism, which modern science completely debunks. In fact, modern science says that there's no basis for race in the way that we talk about it, that we are so similar, and that our, our differences, that we ought to be celebrating the, the color of our skin, our features, are, are part of a, a adaptations that we believe are, are adaptations God has given us as we live in different regions of the world. Diversity that must be celebrated as part of God's creation. Again, I'd submit that a white person has got to resist and allow the gospel to deconstruct those frameworks of supremacy that sometimes we unwittingly, maybe even unconsciously, believe even if only in part. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we've got to learn to see ourselves differently. We've got to learn to see one another differently. And we have to allow the gospel to re-narrate everything that we think and we know, we think we know about race, because that is a narrative that is counter to the gospel. It's counter to the way God created us. And one way that I'd submit that we do this is believing the power of our baptism. When we come to these waters, we die to things. We die to sin, and, and part of that sin that I think we die to is the understanding of race that has been given to us. We die to that toxic understanding of whiteness. We die to a toxic understanding of blackness that says you're inferior. We, we die to this toxic, this destructive understanding of superiority and inferiority. We die to it because it's not true, and we are raised to new life in Christ that helps us to see who we are and our identities differently. I hope we can all celebrate our identities, where we're from. I hope we know where we're from. I hope if we don't know the country from where, that we're from, we at least know the continent that we're from. And I hope we can celebrate that. So just as a black person, an African-American, would, would celebrate uh, their, not only their American identity, but their Africanness, even if because of the way our ancestors were brought here, we don't know exactly which country in Africa we're from, we can still celebrate that. I hope that a white person can celebrate their country of origin as well as celebrating their Americanness. I hope that we can celebrate that and we can celebrate that in the unity of the spirit just as the spirit celebrated and, and honored those different countries gathered at Pentecost, yet united them through the power of the gospel. I hope that can happen as we move into these waters of baptism and that we are raised up into new life and new thinking in Christ. We've got to allow Jesus to seize our stories 
to seize these stories and allow us to see ourselves and one another differently through the power of the gospel. We've got to allow Jesus to become the new storyteller as we think about race in America and as we think about all the divisions of the world. We must allow Jesus to be our new storyteller. The Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Corinthian community in 2 Corinthians, says, finally, brothers and sisters, or finally, siblings in Christ. Put things in order. Respond to my encouragement. Be in harmony with each other and live in peace. And the God of love, this triune God who created us in the abundance of God's relationship, in the abundance of love, and the God of love and peace be with you. The apostle says to greet one another warmly with a holy kiss and, and remember that all of God's people everywhere say hello. Then he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May the love, grace, and fellowship of this triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, be with all of us as we allow the gospel to change our hearts, to change our lives, as we allow Jesus to become the new storyteller in our lives. And this world be transformed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, I pray that you would help us to believe our baptism, to believe the power of the gospel that saves and restores us and all creation, thereby putting to death the toxic narratives of race and racism that we have allowed to define us. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would unify us and restore our lives, restore us into a community befitting our calling as ones who've been created in the image of God, created in loving community. Lord, I pray that you would restore our individual lives as we do the hard, deep work of deconstructing race and racism in our lives. Pray that you would cast it out of our individual lives, cast it out of our churches, cast it out of our communities, cast it out of our world. Lord, renew us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember that we love you. We hope and pray that this is a better week. And may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. 
you can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you, and we hope to see you soon.